Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Experiments Web Clinic Audio Replay Podcast. Marketing Experiments is an internet marketing research laboratory. The web clinic you are about to hear was broadcast live to an international audience of marketing professionals. Sign up to be invited to future web clinics, as well as gain access to all of our online marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to our Marketing Experiments Web Clinic, The Business Case for Testing, How One Marketer Convinced Her Business Leaders to Start Testing and Drove a 201% Gain in the Process. I hope wherever you are, it's as nice as it is here in our offices in Florida. Spring has definitely sprung, and uh, we're really looking forward to spending a good quality hour with you today and talking about how to convince your organization that testing matters and testing is worth it. So, a couple housekeeping items before we get started. Number one, we absolutely encourage you to join the conversation with us on Twitter. Uh, you, we will be tweeting using the hashtag WebClinic, and we encourage you to do so also. Uh, also, if you want to uh, ask any questions during the session, please use the Q&A function of GoToWebinar. Uh, we're looking very forward to, to uh, having some time at the end of the webinar to answer some of your questions. Uh, so please do use the Q&A feature if you have any questions. My name is Andy Mott. I'm the Senior Manager of Research Partnerships here at Marketing Experiments, and I'm joined by Adam Lapp, a Research Analyst here at Marketing Experiments. Hello, Adam. Hello, everyone. All right, so let's go ahead and dive right in. What we're going to talk about today is a, a, a strategy and also a, a behind-the-scenes look at how one company was able to implement a culture of optimization and testing into their organization and really reap some significant rewards. So we're going to take a look at the test results uh, and the analysis of about 14 different landing page designs uh, that went across multiple experiments. Uh, we're going to talk specifically about strategic businesses' advantages of online testing and how to overcome those common uh, challenges to testing. Uh, and also we're going to look at this fourfold success strategy for creating a culture of testing across any organization. If you had an opportunity to look at the Marketing Experiments blog today, uh, they gave a little bit of a preview of, of how important it is to be able to sell this program of optimization and testing to your organization and how once you do this, uh, this sell, uh, all the other sales of all your ideas are going to be a lot easier because you're going to have black and white numbers to back it up. Let's open up with the poll. So my question to you, audience, is what is your biggest internal challenge to online testing? We'll go ahead and launch a poll for you, and you can choose between budget, culture, time, and executive support. So just use the uh, GoToWebinar feature, and we're uh, taking a look at the votes as they're, as they're coming in here. So the results of this are 20% of you said it was budget, 22% culture, 46% time, and 12% executive support. Well, time I can certainly understand. I mean, uh, all of us marketers have experience and know that there are just simply not enough hours in the day uh, to be able to get everything done that needs to get done. And throwing in another thing like online testing probably seems like just one more thing that you have to, have to stick in that eight-hour day. Well, hopefully by the end of the clinic today, we've talked to you about why doing this testing and why implementing a program of optimization and testing really should become not just another thing that you do in the day, but the foundation of everything that you do in online marketing. So let's take a look at, uh, at our story here. So uh, 
This is a great painting of, uh, of Washington crossing the Delaware, and I know that some marketers sometimes can feel like this. You're up against seemingly insurmountable odds, fighting headwinds, trying to, trying to get something done, and everything, uh, when it comes to online testing, and everything feels like it's totally against you. Well, that, that is totally understandable, and believe me, you're in some outstanding company, because many of the marketers that I've been fortunate enough to speak with over the last year have, have felt this very same way. Uh, and that's the specific purpose that we decided to do a web clinic today that was focused on making that business case for testing. So let's open up and take a look at a case study. Now, this is a case study that we've shown before, so we're, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, just, just a little bit of a refresher. Uh, this was a company that we did experimentation with that was at, uh, they provided market end-to-end -end market solutions for small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, they did um, PPC, and they were looking to increase the amount of leads from this online form that was had traffic driven to it from PPC. Our primary research question was, which page will obtain the most form submissions? And we did a four-way split. So here you can see the control. Uh, this is a, a, the page that had the same look and feel for all of their PPC, uh, very standard look. It, it's, you know... Uh, you could look at probably one of a hundred PPC campaigns if you went out there and did a search right now and find a bunch of pages that, that basically look just like this. Uh, Adam was the uh, researcher who was uh, in charge of this uh, uh, experiment, so I'm going to let him tell us a little bit more about the treatments. Sure, Andy. So for treatment one, um, basically the primary strategy that we, that we had was uh, moving all the key values uh, that the company offered uh, to their customers above the form, so putting the cart before the horse. Um, right, so, it, so giving people a reason to fill out the form before asking them to fill out the form. Exactly. And the, the secondary thing that we did was, uh, the, if you notice on the last slide, the form had the tone of, have the salesperson call you. And so we changed the tone on this particular treatment to, uh, be all about free, all about what you get uh, by just signing up with uh, just a few pieces of information. Great. Let's take a quick look at uh, treatments two and three before we go on to the results. Treatments two and three were slight variations of treatment one, but wanted to identify what worked best as a supporting information on treatment two. And on treatment three, we wanted to uh, determine the impact of what an incentive would have in the headline. Great. So we had the original control got three treatments, uh, testing uh, the different ideas. Let's take a quick look at the results. I have a feeling that many of you can already guess what the results were of this, of this particular one. That's right. It's our lead case study, 201% increase. So that's moving from uh, about 5% conversion rate to about 15% conversion rate. Pretty remarkable result. And what we've learned here, this is the winning treatment. So we applied a systematic optimization methodology. We applied the marketing experiments, uh, the landing page optimization heuristic, the conversion heuristic, and we were able to design a page that got us a 201% increase in conversion. So what's wrong with this? What's hard about this? Nothing, right? Well, let's talk a little bit about what the challenge was. Now, if everyone had in their back pocket a case study that says, hey, I went and ran a test and we got a 200% gain, and you had that to start with, when you were trying to sell the program of optimization and testing to your bosses, then the sell would be the easiest one in the world. Because you could say, hey, here's 200%, how much more could we get? But in reality, none of us had the opportunity to do that. And this company didn't either. They didn't have this 201% gain before they had made the case for testing. That just happened to be the first test they ran and got them that, that huge gain. 
So I want to talk a little bit about where we've been in the past and how we've been trying to answer this question and, and how we'd like to see it answered in the future. So we've got these two gulfs that we're observing right now in testing. And the first gulf is the difference between knowing that testing is important and they have to start doing it, which most people right now would say that, uh, that they know testing is important, they know they should be doing it. And then, the, the, so the gulf is between there and being able to say, I've executed this series of scientifically and statistically valid tests. So you have to get off the ground and start testing. That's the first gulf. And from what I have observed by, by talking to a lot of marketers over the past year is that a lot of them are focusing on this part of the idea, that we need to be testing it's important. How do we get there? We need to spend money on a tool. We need to do A, B, and C. We need to get some IT prioritization. We need to, you know, on and on and on. But there's another gulf, that I, and this is the one I think that, that can really make the connection, which is the difference between executing those tests and saying that your testing strategy and execution plan, so your program, is contributing to the financial results of the company. And because you're testing, you're able to specifically prove this. So instead of focusing on getting between we, we aren't testing and we need to be, get from we aren't testing and we know that there's a way to do this that will contribute to the financial results of the, of the company. So just a, a little uh, corollary to explain this is that we can say the difference here is between thinking that you know nothing to thinking that you know everything to knowing that you know nothing. And for uh, those of you that don't recognize that... Uh, handsome fellow there on the end, that's uh, Greg Birmingham, president of Marketing Experiments. If you don't recognize him from the front, you may recognize the back of his head from our Dancing Squirrel videos, for those of you who were able to enjoy that. Use the Q&A feature of uh, GoToWebinar and let us know if you like those videos. And, and the image on the left is me, of course. <laughs> All right. So how do we bridge the gulf? Not just gulf one, not just gulf two, but how do we get from the beginning to the end? Well, I want to focus on, on four key areas. Number one is innovation. So when you're testing, you're going to determine what is working for, uh, for your customers. So a lot of us do a number of different things, right? Hey, it's Valentine's Day. Let's put Cupid on the homepage. Hey, it's St. Patrick's Day. Let's, let's bring out the shamrock. Hey, it's, uh, it's springtime. Where's the, where's the Easter Bunny for our homepage? And it's the same stuff regurgitated year after year after year. It's comfortable to us. We know it. We've been doing it a long time. But it really is a threat to innovation. And now what I'm saying about testing is that it doesn't allow you to innovate because all of us have that ability to innovate and create new things that are going to work for our customers. What testing will do is prove which innovations are working and which ones aren't. So instead of saying, well, hey, we got okay results last year when we brought out the Easter Bunny, you can say, this year, let's think of some different ways to do this, and let's test it, and let's find out which one really works best. So as Dr. McLaughlin would say, if you were here, remember that adequacy is the enemy of excellence. So let's move on to the second key area, which is reliability. Uh, testing provides real data that is based on customer behavior and not on speculation. Uh, if you've been following our, our blog at marketingexperiments.com slash blog, you'll have seen an entry a couple days ago from our researcher, Boris Brinko, who was talking about focus groups. And this is, this is uh, a good way to tie this in here because focus groups, as Boris said, uh, are, are okay, but they're never going to give you a 100% predictor of what people are going to do because generally you're asking them whether or not they would use or like products that don't exist 
and how much of money that they don't actually uh, have, how much pretend money they would spend to have on it. So it might give you a little bit of a litmus test of what's working, but it's not going to be a predictor. Here what you're doing is you're actually measuring customer behavior all the way through. So you have real, measurable, solid data that you're able to say, this is what our customers prefer. Customers will always speak more loudly with their behavior than they do with their voice. So speed, uh, that's the next issue, is that you don't have to plug in uh, a widget into your, uh, into your homepage or into your website on January 1st and hope that by January 31st you'll be able to measure the results. You're going to have real-time data on what's working and what isn't right away. So you're going to be able to provide that feedback. It's so important to the marketing managers and, and business executives to need to be able to say, what is the return on this investment I've made? And then you're going to get results. So you're going to be able to measure the return on your marketing efforts with precision. And I want to take just a moment here and, and talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is this, this actually is an enterprise example, but I think there's a lesson to be learned here from everybody, from the uh, solo entrepreneur to small and medium business all the way up to the huge uh, uh, enterprises. So there are some big companies out there that do things like sponsor basketball tournaments that you see on TV, or they name stadiums after their company, or they do all this kind of stuff that may be a million dollars, it may be $10 million, it may be $100 million a year. And then at the end of that, you get some real smart guy to tell you, well, our share of voice was uh, increased by this much, or we have this much more consideration due to that, and other branding, sort of what I would call more touchy-feely metrics. Now, I don't mean to suggest that branding metrics aren't important and that branding isn't important because it is. People have to know who you are and know your brand before they'll ever make a choice to buy something from you. But if you took a tiny, tiny fraction of that investment that you used to name your stadium or to sponsor the basketball tournament, say 1% or less, one-tenth of 1%, and spent that on optimization and testing, then you would be able to measure with precision what your marketing efforts were actually returning. So that every marketing dollar you spent from that point forward would be a dollar that you knew you were going to return. Or if it, or if it did not return, you would know the reason why. So innovation, reliability, speed, and results are what uh, we're going to focus on for initiating the conversation with the executives to make the business case for testing. So let's go ahead and talk about the case study. Same company uh, as last time, so we won't go through the background. Same research question, which page will obtain the most uh, submissions? Uh, on this particular experiment, uh, again, I'm going to uh, turn it over to Adam to explain the treatments, but the control was the winning treatment from the previous test. So we have a new control, which was the one we selected from the last test, and now we're running another test to see if we can get additional incremental, incremental gains. Uh, Adam, you want to go through this for us? Sure. So as you'll see from uh, the next slide, uh, we tested a more style, stylistic page and more um, aesthetic looking page, images, colors, all kinds of different things. And one thing you need to be careful of is just throwing up a web page because you think it looks good. Uh, you know, we found through our testing that sometimes ugly converts. And it's not to say that uh, an ugly page will beat a uh, good looking page. It's to say that strategy will always, always, always outrule um, uh, the aesthetic principles of a page. So what did we do? We wanted to go aesthetic. Uh, that's what the, the research partner wanted, uh, but we had to test it against what had worked in the past. And so you'll see treatment one, 
And you'll see them side by side here, control versus aesthetic. You'll see the same principles apply. You have increased clarity of value proposition, uh, bullet points of key information, same form field, same testimonials. And let's check out the results. All right, uh, audience, uh, any of you who have been to some marketing experiments web points before probably know uh, what we're going to be asking for here, but please use the Q&A feature to tell me which one is going to be the winner here. Is it going to be the control or is it going to be the treatment? Okay, looks like uh, we've got somebody willing to put up uh, $100 uh, that it's going to be the control. Uh, too bad we don't have PayPal enabled here. We'd be able to uh, start uh, being the bookie for some of these. Uh, gosh, looking through here. Uh, it seems like control uh, is the is is the answer. We've got just a couple people here who are are saying the treatment. So um, let's go ahead. Yeah, it, it's control. It's definitely control. Let's go ahead and take a look at the results. Well, here's the results: two percent relative difference, twelve point two four percent to twelve point five three percent. So it was a trick question. Neither one of them wins. Uh, now, so I can just hear uh, my, my friends out there who are uh, fans of, uh, of asking us questions about the math that we do in our tests, typing away right now saying there's no possible way that that could be a statistically valid or conclusive test. And I will tell you right now that you are absolutely right. It was not a, a conclusive test. We ran it for uh, a, a relatively long period of time, a long enough period of time that we would have expected to receive a conclusive result. Adam, do you remember exactly how long this, uh, this particular test ran? Uh, probably two to three weeks okay. with a substantial amount of traffic going to it. Great. So it ran for two to three weeks, and there was really no measurable difference of one uh, over the other. So there's, there, there's something to be learned here, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this, but uh, here's, the, uh, here's the treatment. What we learned here is that this redesigned treatment didn't increase uh, conversion enough to establish one page is better than the other. Uh, but the value of running a test like this is that we learned something extremely valuable, which was that this aesthetic look and feel, which was preferred by the business, did not impact conversion at all, either negatively or positively. So that, this type of test where you don't get a, you don't technically get a statistically conclusive result can teach you just as much as one that does. Because what we learned here is that, uh, I'm just going to use the, the dancing squirrel as, uh, as an example. So if you have a boss like, uh, like we do, uh, who loves dancing squirrels and is just married to the concept of dancing squirrels no matter what, you can say, okay, great, dancing squirrels may work, let's test it and find out. And if you run the test and you come up with the result like this, I'm just going to click back to the results here, where there's a, where there's a, a very small relative difference and it's not statistically conclusive, uh, then you can say the battle's not worth fighting. You may hate the squirrels, but your customers don't care. Uh, they're, they're still taking the same amount of actions as they were taking before. So the boss can have his way and you can have yours because you tested it and everyone knows for sure that it's not worth fighting. Now, I do think that a lot of, of marketers out there would consider a test like this to be a setback. And for, for these marketers who we're talking about today, uh, they had a 201% gain in their back pocket. So they were able to get this 2% or not conclusive result and even get a couple losses and say, well, you know, we're still testing. It's still part of the program. Uh, but we're not always that lucky. And I would love to tell you that every single test that we run with the uh, at marketing experiments is always a winner, uh, but it isn't. 
Uh, and so sometimes the first test we run is a test that gives us uh, a negative result, where our treatment underperforms the control. And sometimes the first test we run is like this, where it's not, uh, not uh, significantly conclusive or not statistically conclusive. Well, that's when it really takes a, a lot of discipline to be able to make a commitment to the program and make a commitment to a cycle of testing and optimization. Uh, so while we're talking about the setback here, I'm just going to take uh, a couple of questions here uh, from the audience. Uh, looks like, uh, and I apologize in advance for mispronouncing your name, which I'm certain I will, uh, Wasim has asked us, how long should a test run? And, and that's a, that's a uh, good question. I've got some thoughts on that. Adam, do you want to weigh in on, on that? How long should a test run? Sure. The test length or test duration depends on a variety of factors. Uh, Probably the most notably is how much traffic you're receiving to the test. If you're getting 20 visits a day, your test might last a year. If you're getting you know, 2 million visits a day, you might be able to close the test in, in a single day and have conclusive results. The other factor is the variance between the two test treatments. So if you find that treatment one is at 10% and the control is at 5%, that's a pretty high degree of variance and you should be able to close the test uh, much sooner than if it was at 10% versus 9%. So at, at the end of the day, it depends on traffic and the variance between uh, the two test treatments. Great. So I know that's not, uh, not a final answer. There's no, such, there's no such answer as three days or two weeks or anything like that. Uh, but I, I will say that when you're running a test, even if you have a, a, a lot of traffic, it's important to take into consideration some of the things that a test tool can't measure such as what time of day did you launch the test? How many days has it been running? What day of week is it? What, what, uh, what's going on here? You know, how many days is it, going, is it going to run? So if you know that you're an e-commerce site and say you do a lot more, more selling on Fridays than you do on Tuesdays, that means that a test that you ran for Monday and Tuesday uh, and closed because you got technically significant results or your tool said, told you that the test was significant may not be the same result you would have gotten on Friday. So there's a strategic component into answering that question as well. And we always recommend to run a test for a week, even if you do have those valid results after a few days, just to account for any kind of weekend, weekday cyclical factor. Okay. Uh, so thanks, uh, Wasim, for the question. And uh, we'll go ahead and take one more here. Uh, this one is from Darko our friend who was willing to bet uh, $100 on the control winning, uh, to wish I would have had that, uh, like I said, wish I would have had that PayPal interface up there now, huh? Uh, so his question is, why isn't 2% statistically significant? What is the minimum percentage for significance? And that, that's a really good question. And, um, you know, we could probably spend the rest of our time together talking about the, the definition of, of statistical significance. So here's, here is a, a quick answer. Uh, 2%, a 2% relative difference can be statistically significant with a sufficient sample size. But it would take, a, uh, for the test we were running, a huge sample size for us to be able to do that. So, uh, again, we said it was a 2% relative difference. So it was really 12 point, I'm, I'm actually just going to go back so I have the numbers, 12.24 to 12.53%. So it's not the difference between 10 and 12, which is, 2% is a 2% relative difference. So this is a really, really tiny uh, uh, proportion that the two are actually differing uh, against. So uh, generally speaking, you're looking to uh, generate, you know what, I was going to go into a confidence interval, but I think 
Uh, we are talking internally right now about doing uh, uh, some more content regarding uh, the math behind some of these things, and so I'm just going to save that for right now. It is one of my favorite topics, and I can just see myself going off the deep end here and not getting to the rest of the content. But uh, Darko, hopefully that answers your question a little bit. 2% can be statistically significant. Uh, there is no minimum percentage for significance. It just depends on whether or not your confidence intervals overlap. And I'll just leave it at that for right now. So we've talked a lot about the setback that these, that these marketers experienced uh, and, uh, or that you might experience when you are starting your program of testing and optimization. So uh, let's, let's show a little bit more here uh, in, in the way of a case study. But first, uh, I want to talk about why these insignificant results matter. A little bit of a summary from earlier. So when you're saying if it, that this test is valid, so you're using a tool like Google Website Optimizer or using Test and Target, and you've got a cool little you know, green, yellow, or red graphic or something like that, and a test tells you conclusive or isn't conclusive. I think using that kind of information without truly understanding what it really means is very, very dangerous because it is almost worse than just guessing whether treatment A or treatment B is going to be the winner because you could be making a decision based on with false confidence because a tool has told you something and you don't necessarily know what it understands. So make sure that when you're saying a, a test is valid that you understand what valid really means to you and your business. Um, also, we've talked about learning what doesn't matter is just as important as learning what works and doesn't work. So uh, in this case, uh, in the Dancing Squirrels example, if your boss is married to it and their customers don't care, don't fight the battle. It's just not worth it. Uh, also, uh, if this was our first test or if we had gotten a negative result uh, from executing our first test and gave up, we would have lost the ability to, to get the gains that we're going to show you here in just a couple minutes. Uh, and if you execute one, one test and it's not conclusive or you get a negative result and you stop there, you, you've just, you just wasted uh, the opportunity to really do something uh, powerful uh, in, in, your, in your marketing. And I really think that it's going to be something you have to say that you're going to commit to in the beginning. You can't just get one test result, uh, get crushed, uh, and then say that you're not going to do it anymore. Uh, I will tell you from personal experience uh, I can remember running a test with one of our research partners. Uh, this has been, been a little while ago, been a couple of years ago now, that I thought was going to be the test to end all tests. And it was going to be this great improvement, and it was going to be huge. And it was an email test, actually. And they went ahead and they bought extra uh, email lists, and they rented extra space because I was so confident that this test was going to kill. And it bombed so hard, I almost couldn't even show my face around the office anymore. It was terrible. But you don't give up. You can't give up on the results of one test because what you learn is much more powerful than whether or not your test wins. The last point here is that the only failed test is the one that, that fails to teach. And this one is when we're out and we're doing speaking uh, events, you know, like we'll be on our, our ROI tour here in a, a couple cities over the next few months in New York, Chicago, and San Francisco. We've been at Exact Target Connections. We've been at the Omniture Summit. We've been at the Eloqua Experience, all, all these places that we go and talk to people. I, I do get asked one question over and over again, which is, well, if, I, if we're going to run A-B split tests, so, okay, I do, I do two designs, and I run an A-B split test, how do I know uh, anything more meaningful than just A was better than B or B was better than A? And the answer is, uh, it, well, 
It's a, it's a very simple answer, actually, is that if you did not apply a methodology and you did not approach a test scientifically, then you don't, and you've wasted your time. You have to approach marketing testing like any scientist in any laboratory would approach it. You have to start your test with a hypothesis and design your test treatments to answer your hypothesis. So you're going to say, okay, here is our, uh, our PPC landing pages we've been doing in this one. I'm going to design a treatment that is going to answer the question, uh, does friction matter? Or I'm going to answer the question, is it more important to uh, have fewer form fields? Or I'm going to say, does it matter if I have third-party credibility indicators on here? Or I'm going to ask all those questions of my first radical redesign treatment. And then when you have a result, if the treatment wins, you can say, okay, these factors or these combination of factors matter to my customers. And you have learned something. But if you just had your designer come up with two different designs, you know, one with the Easter Bunny and one with the Shamrock, and ran it, and one, and one ran, or one one over the other, then you're not learning anything meaningful. Yeah, and, and you always want to run a test that shows you uh, what works and what doesn't work. And one of our mottos at Marcus Experiments is, what figuring out what works in optimization, but you can also rephrase that, figuring out what does not work, so that maybe a year down the road you're in a brainstorming session and somebody has a great idea, you can say, we already tested that. This is, uh, thanks Adam uh, uh, for the insight. Uh, we've got a great question for the audience here that I, that I want to ask. Uh, Robert, thanks for sending this question in. Uh, his question is this, what if your first test attempt results in no difference between treatments? Do you lose credibility with the test strategy? Obviously, you can't rig a test, uh, but uh, the tester needs to show value. Do we have any suggestions? And that, that's a really great question. Uh, I would say, uh, Adam, do you want to take the first crack at answering that? Sure. So what I would recommend is when you uh, uh, initialize your, your test design, you want to have two treatments that are very different from one another, whether it's a difference in one element on the page or the entire page, but you just want to make sure that your treatments are very different. So at the end of the day, you can kind of avoid uh, similar gains. But sometimes you can't. Sometimes you figure out that, hey, these, these two principles operate exactly the same. That's, that's great advice. Uh, and that, that's a way to try and avoid, from, uh, avoid being in this situation in the first place, is test two things, especially when you, when you start. We almost always begin with radical redesign tests, uh, totally different categories of thinking uh, for, uh, for, our landing, for our landing pages. So that, that's good advice. But I think if you do find yourself in this situation where, uh, where one doesn't matter, of course, uh, I think it's important to say, that uh, you want to make sure that your validity is in line, so you've run the test for long enough, your result is conclusive, or uh, is you have a sufficient number of samples that you should have seen a conclusive result by now. But if, if your first test, you know, will say, uh, results in, an, in a negative result, or say your, your you know, brainchild treatment underperforms the control, the only thing that you can do is test again. That's the only thing you can do. And in regards to losing credibility, uh, I, I will say this. Every single one of us here will say, quote, unquote, experts at marketing experiments has run many, many tests that resulted in a negative result. Uh, it happens all the time. And the, the key to getting the big gains that we share with you in these web clinics, like at 200%, is that every test we run, we learn something. So if you run a test that has a negative result, you know what doesn't work. If you run a, t a test that's not conclusive, uh, then you know what doesn't matter. So that 
you only lose credibility if you come back hat in hand and say, gosh, I don't know what happened. But if you come back and say, we ran this test and this was the result, this is what we've learned and this is how we're going to move forward, then I don't think that, that anyone would question the credibility or integrity of your testing and optimization program. So Robert, uh, great question. Thanks very much for asking it. So let's go ahead and move on here in, into, uh, into the content we have prepared. Uh, this is actually uh, another case study. So um, I'm going to ask Adam to walk us through this case study. Sure. So kind of on the, on the heels of the, the last question, we're on test three here, and we really wanted to branch out and test different things. Uh, so the goal is the same, to uh, generate a higher lead generation rate. And we're using the same control, as you'll see from the next page. Same control with the colors. Uh, as we learned from the last test, we were confident enough, even though there was not a significant gain on the last test, we were confident enough to push this as the control because we ran it for a long time and we didn't see any negative results. So this is the control. And treatment one offers a slightly different design. And it's a research design, or it's a design that is focused on research, uh, focused on how this company acquires the data that they're selling to the customer. And all that is above the form with nice, pretty images next to them. Yeah, just, just a note uh, as we go on here. For those of you who are readers of uh, CMO.com, this is the case study that was published on CMO.com and asked for an audience poll to, to vote for the winners. So if uh, it looks familiar, this is where you've seen it before. So go ahead, Adam. As we move on to treatment two, you'll see a very big difference here. We cut out a lot of the copy, cut out a lot of the key value proposition points. And we did that because we thought that, hey, this is a free product. Let's, let's move the form up and see if we can uh, get people right into the main objective right away. And so that's the idea between treatment two. Treatment three is the same, but this is an example of an intelligent, intelligent test design where the supporting element on this page, in this case, is an incentive. On the last test, on the last treatment, it's exactly the same design, but the supporting element is a testimonial. So let's go back and take a look at that. So if you're looking at the treatment, what you're seeing there in that right-hand column beneath the set of your free access starburst is the difference. So here is treatment two that has testimonials in it. Here's treatment three that has an incentive in it. So we can measure the precise uh, you know, behavior behind these two and compare after the test is over. Okay. And treatment four is still the same design, except we wanted to offer a secondary objective for a product tour. So if somebody did not get enough information uh, from the bullet points or the intro paragraph, we offered a three-step product tour that gave them a little bit more information with a form on step three of the product tour. Adam, let me ask you a question. Uh, so we decided to go with the, with the nicer-looking uh, candy wrapper here because the, the business liked that. So when you were talking to some of the business leaders in this company, did you find that they were relieved to be able to do this? Were they happy with getting a, a, a test result that was inconclusive so that we could move towards this look and feel? Well, at first they were not happy. Um, they just didn't understand why the results were inconclusive. Mm. Um, but we just had to explain hey, we, we ran this test for a series of two to three weeks, and we are confident that this difference between the two treatments will hold up if we uh, run the test longer. And so we are confident enough to push this uh, much more aesthetic-looking page forward as the uh, primary control. Okay, great. So let's take a look at, all five, at the results here from the CMO.com poll. So the numbers here, 40%, which is the, the winner here, 40% of our readers of CMO.com uh, 
voted for the control, and then you can see there's a couple 20% and then the 12 and the 8. So the control was the, was the overwhelming winner here in our audience poll at CMO.com. So let's take a look and see if our readers, if our CMOs and aspiring CMOs who read CMO.com were right. Well, guess what? Marketer's intuition fails us again, uh, which seems to happen every single time. Does that seem like a recurring theme to everybody? Uh, we always guess, and we always guess wrong. Uh, maybe there, there's a lesson to be learned there, and I certainly think that there's a lesson to be learned here, which is that uh, the treatments two and three were uh, effectively tied uh, for, the winner, uh, for the winner here. Now, I think it's also important for our mathematicians out there to note that uh, we are not saying that treatment two is better than three or three is better than two, but we do know that both of them are better than the control, and that was a statistically significant result. So let, I'm going to switch back here to the uh, results from CMO.com, and I, I want to think about this for a second. So how many people, uh, now the, I'll use your Q&A function to answer this question, uh, how many people are in an organization where there is a, a marketing executive or there is somebody at, higher up on the totem pole that kind of makes all these final decisions about, about the content? Um, also, if, uh, if some of you uh, took the uh, Omniture conversion uh, study uh, survey last year, this is one of the questions that was, that was on there. So, uh, yep, Steve, we have a hippo. Very good. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with hippo, that's the highest paid person. Uh, highest paid person's opinion uh, uh, seems to always win. Let's see here. Uh, looks like, yep, yep, Kevin, that's right. So, we've got... Uh, uh, for some of you agency folks out there are saying that uh, there are clients who just want it to be pretty. They don't care whether it works or not. Uh, certainly something that, uh, that, that we've heard before. So um, looking at this slide, it uh, looks like some of you do have this. So this is a, a real thing that you experience. So looking at this slide, the hippos are picking the control. And what have the hippos done? Well, they've left 29% more leads on the table. And they won't know that because they didn't test. And the marketers who are able to bring this to the attention of the hippos, of the CMOs and the executives who are trying to make this decision, are, are not going to, uh, to look bad and they're not going to be risking their credibility. They're going to be saying very simply, look, this is what works and this is what doesn't. The numbers don't lie. We have 29% more leads because we executed this test. We don't have to rely on, uh, uh, on gut feelings anymore. We can know for sure, and that's part of implementing a cycle of testing and optimization. So the winning treatment here, we are going to just show treatment three as the winner. This is the one that had um, testimonials on it. So despite having already received gains on this page, uh, we were able to increase conversion by 29%. So this means that, uh, again, adequacy is the enemy of excellence. And one test that gets you a 200% gain doesn't mean you should stop testing that page. There might be more to be had. There might be another 200%. Who knows? Here, we got another 30%. Uh, pretty impressive uh, result for executing a, a series of, of tests here. Now, the next thing I'm going to show you is the, is the strategic business decision that the company made based on this, this cycle of testing uh, that they were able to run within one uh, group of, of keywords. So we'll, we'll call it an ad group. That wasn't specifically what, what it was, but they were doing all this testing with one particular uh, group of keywords. So here's what they did. They said, okay, we've learned a lot from this one group, and we're going to apply it across our enterprise. And what they see? Well, in one channel, they got a 28% lift. In another one, 600 
451, 302, 257. Not by testing, not by executing tests in all these different channels, but what they did, for those of you who have taken the landing page optimization course, was that they matched each channel. They matched the channel that they, were going, that they did the testing in to others that had similar attributes, applied what they learned, and got increases in those from 28% up to 600%. And one key thing to point out is that each one of these uh, treatments that we ran for the other campaigns, uh, they were almost identical in every way to the, the winning treatment, but we customized it to the channel. So maybe the headline had one or two different words uh, than the original, but we wanted to customize it to whatever channel they were coming in through. That's great, and I think that that's, uh, we have uh, content out there uh, regarding the relevance of relevance. Uh, and for those of you that uh, are looking for more information on delivering relevant message to your audience, you can certainly find that at marketingexperiments.com. And that's, uh, that's a, a, a key learning that we have found from uh, executing many tests across many different types of organizations and many different types of, uh, of platforms. So this, my friends out there in the marketing world, is what we call a victory. 600%, 30%, 450%. Huge win. Uh, there's actually a, uh, uh, an interesting story that we can tell here about uh, the individual marketer who, uh, who did this. Uh, this was a, uh, an organization that had you know, automated reports, yesterday's conversion rate, yesterday's sales, all that that goes out to all of the, uh, uh, all of the executives. And they're used to seeing this, these uh, pages convert at you know, 4% today, 6% the day before, 5%, 4%, all hovering right around that at 5% area. And then all of a sudden, uh, one day it says 15%, 17%, 14%, 16%. st it's starting to hover around, around 15% instead of around 5 And uh, our, our friend at this, at this company told us that, that she had a train of executives coming to by her desk and saying, hey, what, what's going on down here? This, this is all of a sudden, this is blown up. Is there something different with the measuring? Are you tracking this differently? Or, or what's happening? And she was able to say, no, we're not measuring anything differently. We executed a, a test, and we are reaping the rewards. We committed to a cycle of optimization and testing, and we're able to get tangible benefits that are going to contribute to the financial results of the company. So she started at the beginning, on the, on the left-hand side of Gulf 1, I know testing is important, committed to the test, sold the program, and got to the end that said, I am contributing positively to the financial results of this, of this company. Very, very powerful stuff. Uh, it was a, a wonderful success story, and it's not one that is in isolation. It's not the only time that we've ever heard anything like this, uh, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So, what are the key things that you can take away from, uh, from these success, from the successes of these marketers who were able to, to do this? Well, there are four key things I want to talk about. Number one is identify. So they were able to communicate the business problem and present a possible solution. So I'm, I'm willing to bet that not too many CEOs wake up in the morning and think, gosh, I wonder if our PPC landing page is converting at the highest level it could possibly convert. You know, that's a pretty detailed question. That's a question for marketers. But I bet they do wake up every day thinking, what can I do today to make the results of my company better? What can I do to make this a more profitable company? What can I do to help us grow? 
And so those kinds of questions indicate a real business problem. So if you come to your executives trying to sell a program of optimization and testing and you say, well, everyone's testing. I was at the Omniture Summit last week and they talked a lot about, about testing and it's really important and we need to be doing it too. And that's all you focus on is, you know, we're doing it because there's lots of buzz out there, there's lots of blogs, there's lots of people talking about it. That's simply not enough to catch anybody's attention. But if you're saying, hey, there's, a, there's something that we can do that can contribute positively to the financial results of this company. We can do more uh, with the marketing we have. We can get more out of the media spend that we already have in market. Now, that, that's a, a pretty good value proposition. So if you identify that as the business problem, that, hey, we may be even getting adequate results, but we think our results could be better, and you're able to present a solution, that is very key. So testing, uh, obviously that's what we've been talking about uh, all the way through. You have to commit to the cycle of optimization and testing. Testing doesn't happen once or twice. Testing is something that becomes part of who you are. Uh, we actually were able, we uh, conducted some on-site training uh, with one of, our, uh, one of our partners here just in the last couple of weeks and some uh, folks from the marketing department, not the digital marketing department, this was a pretty large enterprise, but uh, re general marketing said that attending the course and learning the principles of optimization were, was going to fundamentally change the way that they approached marketing from that point forward. And that's the kind of power that you have in your hands. When you're able to sell this program and understand that there is a scientific way to approach it, there is a methodology that you can use to try and get the best results, and you can make sure that you're going to learn something from every test that you, that you run, that is a cycle of optimization and testing, and that's how you change the entire marketing culture of your organization. So analyze. Uh, we clearly prove the ROI and the results. Numbers don't lie, and people speak much more loudly with their behavior than they do in a focus group, in a survey. If you call them up on the phone after they've bought something and ask them, that's all okay stuff, and we'll give you some uh, indication of where you should go, but nothing will be as powerful or as impactful as, uh, as actual hard numbers. Now, we have gotten a lot of questions in the Q&A uh, regarding statistical significance, and I would love to spend the next two hours talking to you about what makes a statistically significant test and what doesn't. But uh, I will just say to, to everybody, there are resources that we have available to help you answer those questions. You can check out marketingexperiments.com slash training. Uh, we also are still having some discussions about uh, putting some more content together that will talk specifically about this uh, and, and so stay tuned, I will say, for some additional stuff coming from, from our team regarding what, it, what something means to be statistically significant. Uh, my last comment on that, on that subject is that business decisions belong in the hands of business leaders, not in the hands of testing tools. So if you are letting your testing tool make the decision of when your test is done and when your test is valid, uh, that's better than not testing, but it's not as good as it could be. So back, back to what we're talking about here. Uh, the final thing to learn is how you can apply this. So the company we're talking about here understood uh, how these other channels or these other ad groups uh, would, would may be able to respond to the things that they learned in the one that they were testing in. They matched it and they applied it and they got a big result. So you're going to discover, whether you want to or not, transferable solutions that can be applied across the entire enterprise. And we did have a question uh, from an audience member. And you, if you were paying attention, you may have noticed that uh, uh, the conversion rates for the exact same treatments and which became the control 
and you'll change between tests. Uh, first test, the control had you know 14 percent, and then it had a 10 percent. And the reason for this is the same reason why we always uh, recommend A-B split testing instead of sequential testing, and it's the history effect. It's because um, you know your conversion rates, your sales, your your leads, the amount of uh, revenue changes you know from week to week, day to day, month to month. And in this particular case, the first test we ran was during a, a high volume month for this particular company, and the third, second, and third test, particularly the third, were during a, a low volume month. And so uh, that, that's the that's the simple answer. That's a that's a great question, and it's a, a good observation by an audience member. So those of you who are in e-commerce know that uh, December conversion rates are better than July, right? Or maybe better than uh, May would be a better way to say that, uh, because there, you know, times are different. Uh, but when you're executing these tests, one thing that you can be relatively certain of is that if you didn't just run one test in a vacuum and then hope to apply that over everything, but if you committed to a cycle of optimization and testing where you're learning that some things hold and some things are always relative improvements are going to be the same, then you're going to reap the benefits of having that relative improvement all the way through. And just with the ever-evolving, ever-changing um, way that the Internet is, um, you can't just be happy with one page that won a particular series of tests. You have to continue testing, not month over month, but year after year, because you know, everything changes, and your page that won two years ago is not going to be the best-performing page uh, this particular year. That's great insight, too, Adam. Thanks very much. So let's uh, talk about some key principles here that, uh, that, that we want to take away from this entire session. So if you want to get across both testing goals, you have to focus on the four key advantages of online testing, which are innovation, reliability, speed, and results. Uh, again, I'll just touch really briefly on innovation. Remember, a, a testing tool or a program of optimization and testing doesn't make you an innovative person. It enables make innovative person enable. It enables make innovative person enable. It enables make innovative person enable. It enables make innovative person page. It pays make e page native first page. It pays make e page native first page. It pays make e page native first page. It pays make e benefit native first benefit. It benefits make e benefit native first benefit. It benefits. Make e benefitative first benefit. It it benefits. Make e benefitative first for everything. It for everything. Make e for everything. Native first for everything. It for everything. Make e for everything. Native first for everything. It for everything. Make e for everything. Native first for everything. It for everything. Make e that. Native first of that. It it that. Make e that. Native first of that. It it that. Make e that. Native first of that. It it that. Make e that. Native first of that. It it a make e to a native first to a it it a a make it a native first to a it it a a make it a a native first to a it it a a make it native first it it 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 make it native first why we all it why we all make it why we all native first why we all it why we all make it why we all native first why we all it why we all make it why we all native first why we all it it make it native first it it make it native first it it make it native first it it make it it make it make it
They did for you. They made for you. 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 They did make you. They did for you. They did make you. They did for you. They did make you. They did for you. story. What have you done? Uh, uh, have you run any successful online tests in your organization? Do you have a, uh, a victory that you want to uh, tell us with? You want to, you want to see your name in lights uh, at marketingexperiments.com slash blog or be featured in one of our web clinics? We really do want to hear some success stories. Uh, and, and, you know, it would also be meaningful to hear some stories that uh, were maybe you weren't so lucky uh, just to get, uh, get a good um, uh, landscape of what's going on out there. But please tell us your testing stories, uh, and we're actually running a little contest here that the uh, that the best story will win a four thousand dollar landing page optimization package from our team here at Marketing Experiments. So we do need all the entries by the last day in May, but we do have an early bird bonus. Uh, enter before Friday, uh, and you get a chance to win a free seat at this year's ROI tour, which is I alluded to it earlier. Uh, it's something that we are we are doing. Uh, actually, I'm going I'm to wait and talk about that uh, in a couple seconds. Uh, let's finish up on this contest here. Uh, to get all the information and to enter, go to marketingexperiments.com/story. And I hope that many of you will share with us your stories. We've been sh- sharing with you our stories for 10 years, and we want to hear we want to hear some of yours. Uh, I mentioned that uh, you get a free seat to the ROI tour. Uh, that's what we're doing here. Dr. McLaughlin, uh, Greg Birmingham, Jimmy Ellis, a number of our other researchers from uh, both InTouch and Marketing Sherpa are going to be there. We've got six cities on the calendar. New York, Chicago, 
Houston, San Francisco, Boston, and for the first time ever, Toronto. So if anybody here is listening, to, listening from Canada, we're going to invade on June 10th, and we're looking very forward to it. Uh, you're going to get some great insights, not just about landing page optimization, but social media, list, build, list building, understanding analytics. If you're a big numbers and analytics dork like me, you'll really love that. Uh, so, I, so I strongly recommend it. You can win a, you can win a seat here uh, by uh, going to marketingexperiments.com slash story, or you can get more information on how to attend by going to marketingexperiments.com slash ROI tour. Now, one thing I do want to say, I do want to leave you with uh, maybe a, a, a little piece of advice, is that we work with research partners all the time, and we certainly, and many of you know, we've, we've talked and we haven't had the ability to work together, and there's always a number of roadblocks uh, that, that come up for us to, for why we can't get a, a, a cycle of optimization and testing off the ground with everybody. Certainly for us, the biggest roadblock is the sheer volume of, uh, of applications that we receive. We just can't, we can't run, run experiments with everybody. But I will tell you that there are probably very few people uh, or a few organizations out there who have had as much experience as we have in making the business case for testing. So if you have any questions or if you have any problems or you want to talk to us, uh, I encourage you to visit us at marketingexperiments.com slash partners and let us, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we may be able to help you directly by being involved in a research partnership uh, or we may be able to just uh, impart some, some additional tools and, and wisdom that will help you make the case for testing in your organization. Also, for the folks who are asking uh, questions about the uh, statistical significance, uh, you can go to marketingexperiments.com slash training. We do have a course on there, which is the Fundamentals of Online Testing. It has an entire section uh, devoted to statistics and the t statistical significance of tests. It's a little bit hard to say fast. Uh, uh, but uh, you can take that eight-hour course uh, online, on demand, at 3 o'clock in the morning if you like, and learn about the fundamentals of executing a good online test. Uh, I'll say thank you very much to Adam, uh, research analyst, for sharing his uh, insights and wisdom, particularly since he was the research analyst who ran the project that we were working on today. Uh, thanks very much to the audience for being attentive and listening to us. Uh, I hope it was helpful for you. I hope that you got uh, a lot of useful information out of it. And we certainly hope that you will uh, join the conversation with us on, on Twitter using the hashtag webclinic. Uh, Talk back to us at our blog at marketingexperiments.com slash blog and join us for our next web clinic, which will be on April 28th. So have a great afternoon, everyone. Thank you for listening to this recording of a Marketing Experiments live web clinic. You can sign up to receive invites to future live web clinics as well as receive access to $10 million worth of Internet marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. Thank you.